What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and back after his absence is my podcasting partner, Paul. The East Coast is a very nice, nice time. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, and welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, everyone's favorite Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys by the fans. That is us. <laughs> Excuse me. As always, intro and outro music is presented by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmain.bandcamp.com. If you listen on Twitter, give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, I'm at so says Jay Paul. I'm still at Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. If you listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere else that carries your favorite podcasts, make sure to subscribe, rate, review. And if you have thoughts, comments, questions, feel free to throw them out there in the comments section over on Bright Side of the Sun, or on where Twitter. this lovely podcast is published. Or on Twitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> after Paul's week off, I let him back graciously. We've got another very special episode for We you. have another very special episode. I realized after last week that this pod is much better when Paul is not the focal point. So we're going <laughs> to... We're going we're gonna to continue that trend. And um, along those lines, one of the things that's been surprising about this Phoenix Suns season so far, beyond the fact that they are now 4-2, and two, perhaps should be 6-0, and oh, but we don't need to talk about that, beyond the fact that they're 4-2 and two, is that they've had a much improved defense. They're actually playing defense, which is an improvement over not playing any defense it, at all. It's very weird. Which I feel like the Suns have done for the entirety of their existence is not play defense. Right. I, I, it's just how they've been known. Exactly. Exactly. And Paul and I have not been shy on this podcast about making sure everyone knows we're not basketball experts. We're basketball fans. That's what we do. If you want the X's and O stuff, usually you have to go somewhere else. But this week, you can come right here to Fanning the Flames to get some of the X's and O's in particular about this improved Phoenix Suns defense because we have a special guest with us, friend of the pod, and I'll call him a friend of the pod because he's been on before. Exactly. He was our first guest. He was our first guest, and he's now our, still, our, I think, our third, our third, fourth guest? Fourth, maybe? Most somewhere. recent yeah. guest. <laughs> most recent guest. Our first and most recent guest, and that is Adam Spinella. He's a writer over at bballwriters.com. Adam, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Justin, Paul, thank you guys for having me here. It's always a pleasure to come back on and uh, talk some Phoenix Suns. Hey, and we always like having you on. We should probably do it more than once every four years, but whatever. But hey, if they keep playing well, there would be more reasons to have them on to explain why. Yeah, yeah. Give me a reason to come here, guys. <laughs> yeah, it won't be us just yelling about what's going to happen when the Suns get a high draft pick. But now <laughs> let's stop saying this kind of stuff because I feel like we're going to jinx it. So... For those of you out there, <coughs> excuse me again, who don't know Adam, aren't familiar with Adam, perhaps haven't been listening to the pod since season one of the pod, which is when Adam was on. This is now season four. Um, Adam, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks listening at home or wherever the heck they are a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, where, where, where they can find your stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So what I do is take a, a deep dive into the, the tactical side of, of hoops. Uh, I'm a college basketball coach right now in my third year as an assistant at the Division Three level, and currently I'm at Dickinson College in central Pennsylvania. And all of the basketball writing that I do comes from some sort of a coaching standpoint, whether it's trying to break down what teams are doing schematically on offense, particularly with after-timeout plays, or on defense and how a uh, coaching staff constructs a, a schematic that's really going to bring out the best in their players. And from that vantage point, I was able to take a look at the Phoenix Suns and their start to the year and was was really surprised at some of the uh, alterations that Monty Williams has made. Right now, all of my writing in person is going on B-Ball Writers, which you mentioned. That's at B-Ball Writers on Twitter. And uh, it is behind a, a paywall, but it's not something that should – uh, deflect anybody from getting onto the website at all. There's page, uh, excuse me, daily allowances that you can pay for for very, very small amount of money just to come and read an article or two. And and something that, uh, you know, what we stand for is providing analysis and pretty strong content as opposed to clickbait. So if you're looking for something that's going to be a little bit more uh, structured and important to read that will educate you as a fan. I think this is a great website for you to check out. 
Yeah, and and you know, I'll 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 second that because uh, I I wasn't candidly wasn't familiar with the website. Um, Adam again has been on the show before. We we touch base on occasion about the Suns uh, through through Twitter. He touched base with me the other day. Um, I went through and I I obviously read the article, watched the the video breakdowns that Adam put in there too, which are great. As did I. As did Paul. Yes, Paul. I keep forgetting your back, Paul. I'm sorry. <laughs> as you uh, stare at me. <laughs> as, I, as I look directly in your eyes and just ignore them. I'm your um, audience this week. And and I, I, I did take the opportunity to you know look around at some of the other content that's on the site. And, and it is an excellent site. Everything's very well written. Everything is very educational. And thorough. Uh, and thorough, particularly for, for fans that are, you know, like, like Paul and I, who... Have the no a, idea what we're talking who, about. Who have the athleticism, of, the athleticism of a gnat. I don't know. That's a weird thing to say. They may actually have decent. Yeah, sloths, maybe. I don't know. Sloths, maybe. We, we we don't have much athleticism. <laughs> we didn't spend a lot of time playing the sport of basketball growing up. We watched a ton of it, but that can only take you so far. So it's a great site to check out, and I do suggest that everybody. Do does everybody do does check it out um, and uh, get into the the, the nitty gritty the details at the we'll site. We'll have provides. a link to this specific article in the write up for this. Pod Absolutely, on and I tw- yeah. and I tweeted it out earlier this week as well. Um, Adam, why don't you throw out your your twi- your own personal Twitter handle too, just so everybody out there has it. Yeah, please follow me at Spinella fourteen S P I N E L L A one four. All right, perfect. Now, now that those pleasantries are done, let's 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 dive into it. Um, like like I mentioned at the outset, the Suns are actually playing defense. Obviously, that has to come from somewhere. So, Adam, what is it that the Suns have done schematically? Now that they're under Monty Williams, now they have this personnel in that they have that has allowed them, at least through this first six games of the season so far, and presumably going to continue throughout the year, has allowed them to improve as a team defensively to the point where. Like we've said, they're actually I, playing it. Especially because nobody expected this. Absolutely. Like, of any of the improvements that people were hoping for with the Suns, defense was pretty far down the list because even most of the guys who were brought in were average at best defenders. Sure, sure. Yeah, and and specifically without Aiton either. He only played yeah. in the first game. So it, it is quite the surprise. And, you know, schematically what's changed, the, the answer might be a little disappointing. The answer is not much, um, but it's it's about identity as the, the biggest change so far with this Phoenix Suns team. Last couple of years, and particularly last year under Igor as, as coach, what they did against ball screens was a little bit all over the place. They weren't incredibly tight. They got gashed in a lot of different actions. You know, they'd try to force somebody to the screen and the, the help defender wouldn't be there or they'd, they'd mix up their communication and their coverages. It just did not seem like a tight-knit group. And they've simplified it this year under Monty what they do pretty much standard for any type of opponent is they drop the big man back so he's farther away from the screen just protecting the rim and what that encourages the opponent to do is shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers it protects the rim and takes away any of those layups or dunks from there and the guy guarding the ball handler chases the screen over the top so they can't get a a pull-up three and it's that kind of control and identity that is, and it allows those players who might not be excellent defenders to really become very good because they understand exactly what's being asked of them. They have one simple job. They're not trying to do multiple things. It's a lot easier to learn to be good at one thing than it is to try many different hats based on who you're playing. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to hear that it's a matter of not necessarily doing much with the scheme itself, but just focus and effort, right? Focus <laughs> and effort, but also knowing what you're going to do, not being kind of all over the place, not doing, you know, making an attempt to do something that isn't working, but instead saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fight over role. screens. We're going to sag off the big man. And that's going to be the identity that we have. And, and, you continue to work on that. Presumably the team continues to improve on it and, and hit the assignments that they need to hit. Um, go ahead. No, it all starts with Aiton. Uh, he's the guy that you build around defensively because he would be the anchor in the paint. And while he's athletic, he's not especially nimble. He's not the type of guy you would want switching out onto guards or high hedging screens and picking up a stupid foul as he, you know, it's just, there, there's no reason for that. So the entire defense is built around him as a concept and even in the acquisitions of, and pickups of their backup bigs, they have that in mind so that there's the continuity between first unit, second unit, and they don't have to do something different 
in 25 games if Aiton's out, for example. They can plug Baines in that role, and he does the exact same stuff where he's really smart with angles. He does a good job of just protecting the basket and making sure that no one gets an easy easy layup. Yeah, and that's one thing, Paul, that we've we've spoken about on the pod, and not, not on the defensive side of things, but more on the offensive side, and that is what James Jones has done in terms of building this roster through the offseason with the acquisitions he made. Again, we looked at it mostly on the offensive side of the ball, thinking they're clearly picking up guys who are going to be able to spread the floor and hit the three. But right. now we sit here and we look, and as we see a piece like Adams, and as we listen to what Adam has to say, we realize, well, shoot. James Jones, much mm-hmm. deeper than we thought he was. Big right. shocker. And I mean, when you look at, when you kind of look at the roster, you look at that first unit and that second unit, a lo- in a lot of cases, that backup, that backup guy who's in that spot is arguably kind of like a poor man's version of the guy who's right in front of them. They're not a very different type of player. You know, like Tyler Johnson's like kind of a poor man's booker. He does a little bit of everything, can run the offense, can shoot, et cetera. Same thing with um, like Frank Kaminsky um, compared to Dario Saric. Um, Bridges and Ubre very, you know, kind of do a lot of the same things, do them a little, with a little bit different flash, but same kind of same kind of concepts. So it's a lot easier to – there's not that much change in what's going to happen when you're rotating those guys through both offensively and defensively. Right, and, and- – and exactly. I, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. No, just in complete concurrent. And, and that exactly is, is why Jones, I think, had an underrated summer. And you saw, I'm sure you've talked about it plenty. The, the, More than the underrated. Grades, <laughs> the grades that they were given. And, and it, it makes sense from an identity standpoint, especially when you're able to put it together on the floor and say, this is just what we're going to be good at no matter who is fulfilling this role. Right, right, and and you know, Paul, you mentioned you mentioned Ubre, and I want to bring up a point that Adam brought up in in his article, and that is when when Ubre got to Phoenix, like the fans fell in love with him. I mean, he was already a fan favorite before he even played his first home game in Phoenix. Those eyes, and the eyes, <laughs> the eyes help. The eyes definitely help. Um, but I think beyond the eyes, it's it's the it's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, Paul? Swagger. Not just the swagger, but it's the aggression and the passion with which he plays the right, game. Yeah. And last year we saw the a lot energy. of that, the energy we, we saw that energy a lot of times, maybe getting him out of control, getting him out of place. And one point that Adam, you brought up in your article is how Kelly Oubre still plays defense aggressively, but he's managed to kind of harness it a bit, particularly when he's closing out on shooters. Um, and I, what I, what I'd like, maybe Adam, if you, if you will, delve into what exactly you've seen in terms of Ubre kind of playing under more control, particularly in that closeout situation, what that does for his defensive ability and how it helps improve him um, on the defensive end while still obviously allowing him to continue to play with the aggression that he does play with. Sure. Uh, you know, we, we talk about it all the time within our, our program that we coach here at Dickinson is closeouts are king that if you're able to rotate from being a help defender to guarding the ball without seeding an advantage, then you're essentially preventing anyone else from needing to help you. And it's a, a huge part of the game that we focus on a lot. Everybody teaches it. Everybody goes over form and, and, and just how important something like that is. And when you're a, a guy who has as much energy as Ubre does when he's playing defense, you have to be able to harness that a little bit because if you gamble for steals every time, you're going to miss a couple times a game. And what that's creating is a five on four for the offense when you miss. So for him to play a little bit more under control, you know, the, the old coaching paradigm is the best ability to have is reliability. And, (laughs) and in order to to trust him, he needs to be reliable in what spots he's going to be. And he needs to not just give up uh, driving lanes to guys. If he just blows by trying to get a steal for himself, so to be able to see him close out a little bit shorter and use that length that he has in order to alter shots without having to jump and try to block a three-point attempt or gamble into a passing lane, just be solid and do your job. You become reliable. Now the rest of the defense looks better. Right, and and to get back to the kind of the original idea about bballwriters.com and what you guys do and why I really do like like the website and the the, the content that you all put out is – that Ubre thing is something that one would think, especially again, and maybe maybe everyone else has seen it. And I'm just a dummy and I didn't notice it. But 
it seems like it's something that should very easily stand out. You know, Ubre kind of closing things out a little bit more controlled, thereby making the defense, you know, like you said, look better, operate better. And when I was reading the article, I'm like, holy crap, it's so clear that he's been doing that, but it's not something that immediately jumps out at the average fan, I don't think, as a, 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 a you know, a, a, an activity or a, perhaps a lack of activity that as subtle as it is, helps improve the team as a whole and not just improve Ubre himself. Um, let me ask you, Paul, do you, do you have any particular points from, from the article that you found particularly telling? Kind of like I said, the Ubre thing for me was something I was like, oh, geez, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, I mean, one thing I definitely wanted to ask you about, because you did bring it up just a, um, a few minutes ago, is how the defense is kind of built around Aiton, but with him being gone and... Um, the team kind of gelling into this unit that is operating pretty fluidly right now. Um, do Should we have any concerns about when he comes back and like um, what kind of bumps we should possibly be expecting just because he is a little bit different of a player than either uh, Aaron, either Baines or even Kaminsky, who's kind of been filling in as the backup five since Baines is now the starter. Uh, well, that's the beauty of the scheme that, that Monty Williams has put in place to just have them all kind of one size fit all. Um, when you're backing through the rim, essentially you can be either a charge or a challenge guy. What that mm-hmm. means is, is as a big man, when you're protecting the rim, there's two ways to do it. One is to jump vertically, try to block shots and alter them in the air. Use your size and length and athleticism that other guards that are attacking maybe can't finish over. It's that Roy Hibbert special that we saw from the Indiana Pacers a few years ago. The other way is to just be solid, be grounded, and take a charge. If you're able to slide your feet, square your chest to somebody that's driving downhill at you and go down, that's a a huge momentum shifter. It's a turnover. They don't score on the possession, and you pick up a foul on the other team. And you might might injure them. You might. (laughs) might. Jeez, Paul. Uh, But but that's where – you know, the drop coverage that they're running against pick and rolls is, is so versatile. Uh, you know, Aiton's going to be a little bit more of the vertical rim protector and, and challenge shots, try to be a shot blocker. Bain, yeah, he seemed to do pretty well that first game. He did. And, and you know, that there's clips of that in the article, just how much he's improved with his angles and his honing in mm-hmm. on being able to, to challenge vertically. Baines is a little bit more anchored. He's great with angles. Um, but he's also a guy that's that's not going to commit defensive fouls. He's just one of those savvy veterans that knows how to move. And Kaminsky's more of a charge guy. He's not a shot blocker. He doesn't move well laterally, so he has to just play angles, just kind of slink backwards and allow the ball to get closer to him. And then as soon as the offensive player is ready to make a move, just go down and take a charge. So there's not much that's going to change schematically once Aiton returns. It's just going to be a different type of protection of the rim. So um, another thing I just kind of wanted to ask, um, because one of the things I know um, that's gone around Sun's Twitter a little bit, and I think, I don't know if Justin and I, you you and I have talked about it yet, but um, one of the kind of complaints about the Suns right now is that they are fouling a lot. And seeing as you kind of, is how much of that is just like the refs aren't, aren't used to sons playing defense. So they're, <laughs> they're, so like, they're like, they're like, they're like, they're, oh, they're going to, they're going to foul this. So we're going to call it, we're just preemptively going to call it versus, you know, and they're, you know, just haven't gotten used to them being playing aggressive, like controlled defense, or are they actually fouling yeah, at a yeah. higher rate? They're, they're fouling a lot right now. I think it's probably one of those early season blips that will, um, eventually get phased out. And, and, you know, part of it too, and, and it's not something I mentioned in the article, but it's also something that, that goes hand in hand with this style of defense. When you let the big man sag back and he has a guard attacking him and he challenges it at the rim, the kind of the contrary point to that is that now his man is free to be an offensive rebounder. Right. And what that does is that sucks in defense or there's a kind of a late play as he makes, you know, you know, a chance on the ball. So right now I don't think the Suns are terribly bad at, at giving up offensive rebounds. I, th- I think they're doing a good job defensive rebounding, but when you have to do that and, and crash in a little bit in order to, to finish a possession, there is a chance of contact in there. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the numbers now. Baines has been fouling a little bit more than he usually does. Uh, so that's one thing to watch a little bit in, in Aiton's stead. But 
like I said, more so early in the season, I, I think that stuff will level out as you get a larger sample size. And the, the second part of that, too, is it's not a terrible thing because at least they're being aggressive. This is true. Yeah, it's definitely true. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate the idea of like a nice hard foul every now and then to kind of um, just kind of check the other side. Right. And, and you know, I, I would venture to guess that it also probably has something to do with this team still getting used to getting into this defensive identity, getting used to playing as they're going to be expected to play from game to game by, by what Monty Williams has put in and what they're going to continue to do throughout the season. And I will point out that the last two games, actually, the Suns' fouls have seemed to drop down. I mean, the, the disparity between the team fouls in the first four games were, was, was, was pretty atrocious. stark, at least... I don't have them right in front of me, but at least two, if not three, of those games for sure. Maybe, maybe it was all four. Now the last two against the Warriors, and then tonight against the Grizzlies, the, the Suns uh, Jazz was pretty bad. The too. Jazz was it was thirty-one to twenty-five. I just looked yeah. at that one. One of the games was I think like two of the games might have been a nine foul difference. But at at any rate, um, against the Warriors the other night and against the uh, Grizzlies tonight, the Suns only committed twenty-two fouls, and the foul, fouls were actually equal in both those games. So. It very well could, I think at least, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but be part of the Suns players just getting more comfortable in this defensive identity and knowing what they can and can't do and knowing what spots they are going to be put in um, when it comes to playing defense on on that side of the ball. That made no sense, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think there's a, probably a little bit of just, you know, every year the league is like, oh, the refs are going to start emphasizing this or that and players kind of just kind of there's a little bit of a feeling out of like okay how much can i get away with doing x y or z that like you know okay maybe i'm going a little too far like i keep reeling it back till it's like oh now i'm not getting called for this action or right whatnot. yep the the points of emphasis that that come out in the beginning of the season and are called for the first two weeks but no one calls them again in april may or <laughs> so like wh- why do we care i i went on a i won't call it, it was probably kind of a rant i do that tirade tirade diatribe whatever you want to call it on the on the whole traveling point of emphasis this year yeah because i don't know if you've seen it but i from what i've seen it's just the referees don't they're they're not better at calling traveling they just call it more but they miss it just as much as they would have missed it in the past and now we're calling it perhaps when it wasn't actually a travel because they're like well it looked like it should have been a travel right yeah i mean i'm I'm, again i'm college basketball coach are on the court every day with guys. I still have no idea if Euro steps are travels and what constitutes <laughs> like I, the the game changes. The referee, it's all up to interpretation. Like, who the hell knows? What, what was what was LeBron's thing a few years ago? The crab, the crab step, or the crab hop, or crab walk? It wasn't crab. Or walk, whatever that whatever that thing James Harden does, like his like step back or like step to the side. That like there's three steps oh, yeah, there, where but he takes, somehow clearly takes, that's never uh, like right, the, the gather step. Yeah, whatever it was, yeah, the yeah the gather step where like somebody did like an article similar to yours, just like went in like super deep to kind of explain how it's not a travel, even though his feet move. That's something you have to appreciate about a player like that is he he's come up with a he's come up with a move where everyone's like yeah it's clearly a travel, but he's able to be like no it's not for this reason and the referees don't call it. Good for him, I guess. Yeah, ASU yeah. people always cheating somehow. Gosh. <laughs> um. So okay, Adam. Anything well, we are else? Devils. Anything? <laughs> you are devils. That's right. Anything else from your article, or any other thoughts on 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 the Suns that you've uh, seen so far this year, or or anything in the NBA in general that you kind of want to throw out there, or or anything maybe you might have upcoming that would be of interest to people on your website, uh, things like that. You know, I actually do have something coming up in the next couple of days here that's going to be useful for Suns fans. Uh, so I guess this is Phoenix week for me. Yes. <laughs> looking at uh, Aaron Baines' three-point shooting and essentially diving into a couple of the big men around the league that are increasing their volume of three-point attempts, what I can only assume is an attempt to kind of modernize their game as the NBA trends to shooting more and more three-pointers. And, and Aaron Baines is one of them. So he's done so with... Uh, a ton of success so far this year, albeit not the prettiest of shots, but an effective one nonetheless. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. I'm sure we'll be in communication and trying to to get that article pumped out to you guys as well. Awesome. I'm, I'll, I'll look forward to that one because I I brought that up during the off season about why why people in Phoenix weren't talking enough about the fact that Aaron Baines can shoot the three. 
and probably will be shooting three based on what I saw, or we all saw, I guess, in terms of how the Suns were shaping their roster during the offseason with guys that can shoot the ball. It'll be interesting, too, to see if, uh, you know, with Baines stepping back and shooting that three on a somewhat regular basis, if we finally see Aiton start doing it. Because, you know, that's how the offense has gotten used to having right, that. Right, exactly. And, and Adam, you, you, you probably aren't as. Uh, deep into Sun's Twitter as uh, us. Um, it's, it's been a dark place. Nor do I, yeah, <laughs> nor would I wish that upon anybody because it is a dark place. It's still somehow a dark place. Um, but at, at any rate, one of the, uh, the beat writer for the Phoenix Suns on, would, would that, will we call Kellen the beat writer for AZ Sports, Arizona Sports, something like that? He yeah. covers the Suns for Arizona Sports out here. Last season, on a somewhat regular basis, he would post videos of Aiton shooting threes during, you know, shoot around during practice and, and hitting a good clip of them. And it was just like, you know, basketball porn for Suns fans watching that happen, but we still haven't seen him actually bust it out in the game. I'm interested to see if, you know, it's 25 games off, gives him a little bit of time to continue to work on that three. And he actually steps back and starts shooting them when he gets back. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how skilled NBA players are. I mean, most of them can step behind the line and, and shoot in an open gym, catch and shoot for, you know, high, high, high percentages. But when you turn the lights on, you have live defense, you're asked to do things other than just stand there and shoot. Uh, that's that's what separates the guys who can do it in games and those who can't. So hopefully yeah. Aiton gets to that point. And this, like you mentioned, is the perfect opportunity for him to do so. There you go. Absolutely. And and to to Aaron Baines' three-point shot, the, the the look of it at least, the, the big man three-point shot that always comes to mind for me, and Adam, you're much younger than us so perhaps this is a little before your time but i bet not you've probably seen it minute bowl oh yeah oh <laughs> Dude, yeah that guy watching that guy that, that that guy shot three is like i shoot the ball on a regular basis but he made them a lot more too um <laughs> just just like chucking the from over lanky like remind me of that scene from what, what, what was it the movie with uh, ben stiller where they're they're playing basketball um at uh, oh, um at the playground the and one he, with uh, jennifer along came polly and his buddy's like, Kobe, make it rain. <laughs> and he's just playing it every upset. Minute bowl made him. So, all right. Well, every time he shot, it took him a minute to let it go. <laughs> oh. You got jokes. Look at this. Not only does he know about basketball, folks, but he's got jokes. I love it. I love it, Adam. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, any last thoughts? And we'll let you go. And Paul and I will go ahead and continue to ramble on about everything else. Now that we've got people sucked in, they're like, oh, look, we can listen. This is fun. We'll, we'll go on with our own thing after that. But any last thoughts, comments, um, plugs that you want to throw out there before uh, we go ahead and let you go about your night since it is... 11 15 year time and we're very very thankful for you joining us late at night on your end no problem uh you know the best thought that i would leave you with is just enjoy this team that they're playing with a pace and identity uh unselfishness that hasn't been seen in a while in phoenix and it's evident the moment you turn on the film and watch them that they're playing with a renewed spirit so whether the season continues to go with abounding optimism as things are right now or expectations and reality tend to level off into the same plane. Enjoy this team because there's a lot of potential here as well as just a really enjoyable group to watch the way that they complement each other and the way that they play every night. So um, I've definitely become a Suns fan in some regard over the last week or so just watching this team and the way that they've started the season. Well, I, I, I think that's the perfect way for you to sign off on this. We are the podcast of optimism. I got chills when you said that. I had a huge <laughs> smile on my face. And again, man, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, I, I'm sure since you have another article coming out, maybe we'll just have you on after that one too. Might as well, right? Let's keep, let's keep rolling with it. So, all right, Adam, appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, and we'll be right back after this break, everybody. Go Red Devils. Again, thanks to Adam for coming on the pod for the second time, even though the first time was three years ago. Always great to have him on. Obviously provided some great insight. Hopefully everybody there listening at home, on the road, in your office, wherever you are, uh, enjoyed the insight that Adam gave. And make sure, again, to check out bballwriters.com. Subscribe. It isn't much. Uh, and if you just want to do one-off articles, it's like a even buck. less. Exactly. It's totally worth it. Um, and you get you get good content. You get great content. So... We'll move on now from actual intelligent basketball talk and go back to our typical rants and raves. What do you say, Paul? <laughs> yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. And since you've been MIA for one gigantic episode, maybe Paul actually, if they, if they start playing poorly, you know, 
I know for I the know. better of the team. Yep. But uh, but hey, not I can't believe I even just said that. That's horrible. But since you did miss the last episode, Paul, there has been a lot of exciting stuff going on in the world of Phoenix Suns. What have you seen? What do you want to talk about? What 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 stands out to you so far this year? six games into the season that you haven't had a chance to discuss on our fantastic pod yet. Well, uh, first off, I just want to thank Dan or does he go with Dan or Daniel? doesn't matter. I just want to thank him for uh, filling in. Um, he, they did a great job. I think it was actually the first actual episode I have fan flames. I've personally listened to cause I don't really like listening to my own voice. M- most of you don't either. <laughs> I'm, I'm just quiet over here. Don't mind me. <laughs> but um, I thought it was it was a really, minus the audio issues, a really good episode. You guys had a lot of fun being superly optimistic about the Suns. I think that I think that is the one thing I do bring to the pod that um, if I do lose my seat to Daniel, may it will be truly be the podcast of optimism if once I, if I am gone. So much optimism <laughs> you want to puke. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, I was unfortunately, well, fortunately because my cousin was getting married, but unfortunately on the East Coast for um, last weekend. And so I kind of had to watch on some uh, not so um, kosher uh, streams oh. of some of the games. Why, why do you admit things like that <laughs> on the record? Come on, dude. I don't know. Anyway. Um, just so I could catch, catch some of the games and kind of be... Um, up to speed on what's going on. A couple of them had to catch on GameCast just because, you know, I was kind of at things that I had to pay attention to. Um, but it was... <laughs> I like how you're like, I was at things I had to pay attention to, so I watched the game on GameCast. I checked on the game on <laughs> <in> GameCast. <laughs> okay? I, c- I couldn't have audio on. <laughs> but anywho, um, it's... I mean, I don't remember the last time I've enjoyed basketball this much. It's been, it's probably been since 2013, 2014. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just been, it's been a lot of fun to kind of watch a competent team play basketball. I kind of just, it's been so much incompetence for the last couple of years. And hope, <laughs> and hope that, um, that something would turn a corner to finally have that corner potentially have turned. Um, it's just, it's. That optimism that Justin has so earnestly held in the, for the four seasons that we've been doing this podcast has overflowed into me. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I've had a lot of fun the last week. Um, I, I, I said this on Twitter. It's a very weird feeling to turn on a Suns game and not wait for or like waiting for when they're going to screw up and you can just turn it off because it's not worth watching anymore to have confidence that, no, they're going to be in this game and they have a good chance of winning, you know, even against strong opponents, you know, you know, I was pretty confident going into the jazz game. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just because, you know, I wanted to watch Booker demolish Donovan Mitchell and then the rest of the team does everything else. But it's, um, you know, there's been a lot of bright spots, you know, Javon Carter, Frank Kaminsky, um, you know, Devin Booker doing his thing, but doing it within the offense. You know, he hasn't been like lighting it up the way I think a lot of Suns fans thought he was going to kind of coming into the offseason or coming out of the offseason. I think most of us were kind of looking at it as, you know, He's going to be doing the same thing he does, but he's going to have more freedom, so he's going to be better at it. And not that that hasn't been true, but like his, you know, his raw counting stats at the end of the end of the day aren't gaudy. But we're four and two, right? And that's all that matters. That is all that matters. And and you know, I think you brought up a very good point. The whole concept that you don't watch Suns games anymore, since so they're going okay. When is this going to? just go all to hell or or even more so just coming out of the gates it all goes to hell and you're sitting going okay well are they going to be able to get back into this like they did a lot of times last year you know how many games last year they get down by like 20 30 points they fight back and they still end up losing right 
it doesn't make it easier to watch that getting down by 20 or 30 points. But I think tonight's game against the Grizzlies was a good example of that. They come out of the first quarter up seven. Halftime, they're down two. Normally, in the past, you go, well, they had a good quarter. Now it's all going to go to shit. I had no such feeling. I'm like, okay, nope. they're down two to the Grizzlies. I'm not really worried about that. And they go out and score the Grizzlies by 15 in the third quarter. Boom. End up winning the game. It's, it's, it's an odd feeling for Suns fans to have. It's an odd feeling for me to have, but it's a great feeling. Yes. Now, to your point about Devin Booker, totally agree. Devin Booker is doing exactly what he needs to do as Devin Booker within the system, and he's not going superstar. You know, he's not sitting there going, and we're six games in the season. Maybe he will. There will be nights where he'll have to. I, I mean, right, he's but, had some 30-point nights. But, I mean, what I'm saying is he's not trying to force it to prove himself right to say look see i'm this is this is my I'm team the man this is my team i'm gonna he, lead us he's come out in the past saying he wants to win and i think he's showing that by his play on the court right now because he's not worried about getting his he's not one of those guys right now he's not looking like a guy who's sitting there going well i only have 20 points but we're winning games, but I want more than 20 points because they're winning games well and, and on top of that it's not just that he's not worried about getting his He's not worried about the guy behind him or the guy next to him screwing up. Right. And so there's that trust factor that has amazingly built very quickly between all these guys on this team that they trust that the guy next to them him next to them is going to do the job he's supposed to do. Yeah. And, and that yeah. means sometimes they'll take a gamble that, you know, particularly on the defensive end, that maybe in the past they wouldn't have because they know the guy behind them is going to cover their butt. Yeah, and and even with the whole, you know, and, and maybe this goes kind of to them just playing as a team and them having players who are NBA players on this roster. You sit there and go, nothing that Devin Booker's really doing stands out like, thank God Devin Booker's there. And, and I don't mean to say that to denigrate him. And the reason I point that out, though, is because his stats really aren't that far off from where he's been in the past. This season, he's still scoring 24.4 a game. Last year, he scored 26.6. He's still getting six, point, six assists a game. Last season, he was getting a little bit more than that, but 6.8. Still still in that realm. Four rebounds last season, 4.1. He's shooting from three-point range at a much better clip than he did last year. Right now, he's shooting 41.9% from three-point range. Last year, he shot 32.6. And his overall shooting percentage is up about almost, almost a full percentage point as well. So, I, th- I think that's part of it because he's being so like he was efficient last year, even with the poor three point shooting. But to get to 26 points when you're basically doing it more so on twos than threes, you know, that's taking more shots. That's like more his you. I mean, his usage is down, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, the ball was in his hands more. The ball was, you know, he was the one putting it in the basket more just to get to that 26 points. And now he's at 24. And because he's shooting at, you know, higher clip at, uh, from three and whatnot, it's like, you know, that number rises up a lot quicker. And, and again, it's a small sample size. And actually, I'm looking on ESPN, so they only have the first five games up there right now. So tonight's right. game's not on there yet. But he's also shooting free throws at a much lower rate than he shot in the past. He's... He, he's averaging the least number of free throw attempts per game that he has in his entire career since his rookie season. When he averaged 3.4 this year, he's only averaging 4.4. Now, I think you can look at that from two different perspectives. One, you can say, well, that's not great because Devin Booker, we know, is good at drawing fouls. He should be getting the line more. On the other hand, you can look at it and say, he's getting abused less. And I, say, I said abused, not used less, while his usage rate might be down. He's getting abused less, and that's going to allow him to stay healthy. And we've seen Devin Booker have injury issues in the past. Right. If he's taking less of a beating game in and game out because he doesn't need to, I'm, I'm fine with that, especially, like you said, if he's still scoring points efficiently and, most importantly, if the team's winning like they are. Exactly. But, yeah, so, I mean, obviously Devin Booker's, you know, done what he's supposed to do. And, you know, you guys talked about Frank. You guys talked about Javon. Um, I don't think there's anybody else who's kind of really um, stood out in the couple games that it's, have happened since you guys recorded. Actually, there there is one guy I do kind of want to talk about though who weirdly hasn't stand out but stood out, but 
he's been really productive, and that's Tyler Johnson. Like, I don't realize he's on the floor. Maybe that's because he's now not the only one who's wearing the white T-shirt under the jersey. Hmm. So, like, it's not like, oh, that's Tyler Johnson. You got to actually think about it. Like, is that Johnson or is that Johnson? Um, and, but, you know, you start looking back at his stats and, like, he's, he's doing pretty well. I mean, tonight he was, like, uh, three for three from three. And, I mean, he's not, not like he's putting up gaudy numbers. He's not a gaudy numbers guy, but he's not making mistakes and he's all, he's making the right play almost all the time and just keeping the team solid and quietly being productive. And I just kind of wanted to, I don't think enough people have been kind of talking about his play just because he's not like a bright spot. Right. And, and again, I think it's one of those things where as far as I see it, if, we as fans are sitting here watching the Suns win and we're not chirping or saying anything in particular about one guy or another standing out. But instead, there's a lot of equal discussion about a lot of guys contributing in a very efficient way, in a very productive way. I think that 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 right there is why they're a team. This yes. isn't this isn't this year, Devin Booker and the a hodgepodge. This is this is the Phoenix Suns, which. Again, that's that's how you win. That's how you win. You win. You win as a team. And and while you've got you know teams in the past from the past few years in particular, you start getting you know the big threes and things like that. Last year you've got Curry, Clay, and and Kevin Durant. Even though you put three guys together that transcend basketball like that, you still need to put pieces around them for them to be successful. Exactly. And while we have a solid core here. We don't have a core that's like that. I don't know that any team will um, for for a while. I mean, out in LA, sure, you've got AD and, and LeBron, but they don't have that third cog there. Uh, and, and ultimately, again, you need to have a team that's going to be able to operate together. And and this, this team is certainly looking like that. And it's a team that, as we've discussed, is a brand new team. This is this is a completely different team than who we looked at last year. So you have to remember these guys have only played together for six games and they're looking this good. Yeah, and I mean on top of that, um, so I, I wish I could remember who who mentioned it on Twitter, but they pointed out I think it was it was in like the first half of the war the Warriors game where they're basically saying that um, essentially Booker and and Curry switched places, you know, went from being, you know, the star on a team of competent players. So it actually elevates their own game because, you know, they're not, um, you know, they're not just got, you know, good stats and empty or bad team. But then, you know, now you look at Curry, who's kind of been put in a very similar situation that to what Booker has been in the last couple of years prior to his injury of, you know, he's got a bunch of guys who are barely hanging on being in the league around him and he's expected to carry him forward and there's only so much he can do. And it showed in their record. It's showing in their record. Right, and it's going to continue to, especially now with him out. And, you know, again, we look at it from a perspective of nobody's jumping off the paper and being like, this guy's carrying the team, but you've got Kelly Oubre right now is having really, he's having a career year. He's averaging the most points he's averaging in, in his career. He's right now has the best effective shoot, effective field goal percentage he's had in his entire career. He's getting to the line more frequently than he has in his entire career. He's shooting a three pointer better than he has in his entire career. You've got Aaron Baines who is averaging and again, we're six games, five games in the stats I'm looking at. But Aaron Baines is averaging eight points better than his highest career <laughs> points per game average right now. Aaron for, ba- for Aaron Baines, you really got to look at like per 36. I don't think he's averaged more than like 15 minutes well, a, let's see. a game per, in a, per yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, 16, 18, but he's only playing 22 right now. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's it's things like that. 
we talked about before <laughs> how, and, and mostly tongue-in-cheek, perhaps psychotic optimism, but we talked about how the Suns made that turn when Steve Nash came on board mm-hmm. and how Steve, Ma- Steve Nash made everybody better, how people had career years around Steve Nash. Now we're looking at a Phoenix Suns system team who's, which is creating career years for players, again, five games in, six games in, but, but still, even if these guys fall off some, which they will, I'm sure, they're still going to look at having career years. Or they'll just get better. Or they'll just get better. Look at Paul. Look at Paul with the optimism. I just, well, I, mean, I, I was the pessimistic <laughs> one right there. Well, What's I, happening? I, one, one of those like various stats that just really sticks out to me right now is, um, is it net rating? Where uh-huh. they're third in the league? Right. They're third in the league right now. But apparently, if you adjust that to remove garbage time, they're first. Because, you know, we have, we've had a couple blowouts. Right. Where we're on the winning side. Yeah, they you could know, have just cut off the net rating thing in the Warriors game after the first quarter. Yeah, you How know about that. For, what is it? Forty-three to fourteen, something like that. Forty-one to thirteen, I, maybe. I, I was watching that, and I wasn't even like. You would think I'd be freaking out. I was just sitting there, I'm like, what? Is happening right now. <laughs> so you were kind of freaking out. Just it was, that, that, it was like, like a negative freak out. It was like almost like a, I, I was like in shock and and just disbelief. And it, it, it felt cool. Yeah, it felt very cool. It felt very cool. So all right, well let's 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 take. Unless you want to chime in any last little bit here, um, all right. but let's take one last quick break and then we'll come back and wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames. As we go into the last segment here on this episode of Fanning the Flames, I just want to kind of build on something we were talking about a moment ago, and that is this team playing as a team. A couple of advanced stats. that Team-specific team stats? Team-specific stats, advanced stats. Advanced? They're advanced? Right? Ish. Yeah. That, that I think really exemplify that is, A, back to what we open on this episode with, and that's the defense that the Suns are playing. The past three seasons, the Suns have either been last Second to last or last in some order. I don't remember what the order was. Last year, I think it was second to last. Year before, I think it was dead last. Year before that, I think it was second to last. Anyway, sure. Okay. Third to last. Bad. Just bad. bad. This year, their defensive rating is currently seventh in the league. Like, that's, that's, Not an, horrendous. that's an improvement. That's an improvement. Yeah. And then you look at the last What's year. What's their offensive rating? Their offensive rating is, I think, eighth in the league, which then gets them to that third in net rating um last year also another problem the suns had was assists they they did not assist on shots very often well well, i mean they didn't want to go over the point guards right and they also (laughs) like they didn't make a lot of shots so that didn't help either yeah um this year they are currently sitting with the highest assist percentage in the league and the second highest assist ratio in the league their assist turnover ratio is a little bit lower down but Still, I think it's, I don't have it in front of me, but I think they're like seven, seven, top ten. Yeah. So you look at those stats that I really think, you know, show how they're operating as a team, you know. Team basketball, you think about assists. When you're up that high in the league and, and assist ratio and assist percentage, you're playing well as a unit, as a cohesive unit. Defensively, again, defense is a team concept, particularly in the NBA, when you're sitting there with a defensive rating that's seventh, Means you're a good defensive team, right? Especially when you're looking at a team who, in the past, has been one of the, if not the worst, defensive team in the league. Right. I mean, it's all it's still still uh, like small sample size theater, and I mean, but I want I really want to take away that there are a lot of indicators that the things that are causing these ratings. Are things that are sustainable, right? It's not. It's not. It's, it's a small sample size, but it doesn't seem fluky. No, because it's 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 buy-in. It's like effort. It's not. Yeah, like you said, it's not like oh, we just kind of keep getting teams on like their work coldest shooting nights right. of the season. And you you look at it. I think I think a microcosm of that. You can look at one specific example. It's the opening night game blowout of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Last year's opening night game was a blowout of Dallas. Right. I felt a lot better about that the blowout this year than the blowout last year. Right. Like, yeah. I was stoked last year. We were at that game. 
But he had a guy like Trevor Ariza who went nuts. Um, you had Booker go nuts. TJ Warren was hitting threes, which he hadn't done before. That was still brand new to us. Yeah, that was the thing that we weren't aware of was going to be a thing. But ultimately, after that Sacramento game this year, it it just felt different. And I think that's what you're seeing in this actually being sustained through the first six games of the season and hopefully through the next 76 games of the season and however many playoff games they end up playing. That's right. If the playoffs started today, they'd be sixth. Should be first, but hey, all right. So, Suns are playing well as a team. We yeah. can we can we can agree upon. That. Yeah. All right. So Paul Paul wanted to walk through a little exercise here that we've done, I guess, from time to time. I feel like it's usually me firing out the questions, but Paul's going to go ahead. And I haven't looked. I mean, I okay. I, I have. I have a general idea. I have a general <laughs> idea who the Suns are playing coming up, but I haven't looked specifically at the schedule since you know we started recording here today. Or right. Paul's just going to rattle off the next what? You want to go five games? Sure. Five games. Let's do six. Okay. For some reason, we're going to do six instead of five. I like it. I don't know why we're doing this. You think I'm going to say lose? What What about me makes you think I'm going to say they're going to lose any of these games? I want to. I don't know how much you can say how much they're going to win by. <laughs> there you go. And try to be realistic. I'll be realistic. <laughs> I'll try my best. I'll be realistic right. from, from 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 for for me. Okay. So uh, Monday. Win. It's Monday. Yeah. They're going to win on Mondays. Yes, they win on all Mondays. Yep. Okay, move on. And is it against the 76ers? Oh, okay. Oh, that's what they're Without playing? Without Joel Embiid. Oh, yeah. Uh, now I'll take the Suns in that game. I mean, and we just watched the 76ers come back from 21 down in Portland and win the game. But I'm still going to take the Suns in that game. Without Joel Embiid, the Suns are playing really well right now. I, I just I, I don't see the 76ers coming in and, and winning. And it's here, right? Yeah, because the Suns, play, Suns are going on a six-game homestand. 76ers are undefeated. Correct. They won't be Monday. Okay. Suns by four. Suns by four? Suns by six. Four will make me a little too nervous. All right. Okay. Go on. 76ers by one. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? No. We don't want your opinion, Paul. No. We want my opinion. All right. Here. Thursday. Win. Okay, I'll stop playing? that. Go ahead. Just go. Uh, <laughs> they're playing the Heat. Also, currently four and one on the season. Jimmy Butler just returned. Yeah, I think he's only played one game with them so far. Probably he'll have a, another one under his belt, if not two by then. I'm going to say Suns by eight. Okay. They have to travel back. They have to travel across the country. No. They don't. Both these are home games. No, I'm talking about... Oh, the Heat? The Heat. Yes, they do have to travel across the country. Okay. See my logic? I, I do. Airtight. Yeah. The, the, all these games are at home. I know, yeah. By I the know. Way. The next six. That, that I do know. All right, um, Sunday, um, November 10th. Oh, the, November, it's the 10th of the month? It's okay, the 10th I'll of the I'm done, I'm done, sorry. It's uh, the Nets. When? Yeah. I, yeah, they have Kyrie. It's the one I'm most like, confident about like thus you, far. Like you pointed out, they have Kyrie. Yeah. That, that's it. When? When? 12. N- November 12th. Oh. It's your boy. Lakers? Yup. Did you see the um, did you see the tweet by? Do you follow Mike V Hill from the mm. Timeline podcast? Mm, yes. No, did I don't see, think so. Maybe he threw out. There's that. I th- I want to say it's a Far Side cartoon. Okay. Where it's death, like walking into doors, and like you see like blood, like the the guy with the hood and the sickle and whatnot. Yeah. I, yeah I, okay. Thank you. The Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. Yeah. I know who death is. Yes, and so he, he, Grim he uh photoshopped uh king's logo blood at the bottom uh clippers logo blood at the bottom golden state warriors logo blood at the bottom walking into the lakers door gambo actually retweeted it i i was i was i like that one i, I like i like that too i like that too oh. lakers are four and one they are the only team ahead of us currently in the pacific division i'm gonna say win Win by two. Win by two. Booker hits a three at the end. He doesn't need a three. It could be a two because they're down by one, but he hits a three just to, just, to, just to make it that much sweeter. Okay. And, and if I'm being completely honest, I'm not all that confident in that, but I just can't say the Suns are going to lose to the Lakers. Like, I don't have it in me to ever say that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I believe, I believe you. You should. Uh, Thursday. Hawks at Suns. Win. 
Yeah, no Trey Young. Yeah. I mean, it's possible he might be back. It sounds like that like had the uh, best case scenario for that ankle injury, but even if he's coming back, he's might still be a little ginger on it. Yeah, 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 no, win. All right. Final by, game. Hold on, by seven. By seven? Final game of the homestead. Celtics. <sighs> Win by one. Win by one. Yep, six and zero homestand, easy. Six and zero homestand. So we're gonna be a ten. We're gonna be a ten and two team. Ten and two. Just like you drive. Just like you teach kids to drive. Ten and two, baby. Ten and two. I'm. What do you think, Paul? Are they, are they going all six of those also? I I hope they do. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if they're ten and two midway through November, I mean, what are you gonna he, do? He, what are you gonna do? I'm, what are you gonna no, do? I'm not gonna do anything. Damn it! I'm not gonna do anything. I, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> but what I was I was gonna talk about national media, I and they're already like, what's going on with the Suns? Like you know, because we were talking about like, okay, at what point in the season? Is the national media somebody going to start going? These aren't the Suns we're used right. to. I don't think any of us called Game Three. No. Well, <laughs> and, and 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 to be fair, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, yeah. the 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 national media you referenced was Deadspin. That no, did, I'm not talking count. about talking about something else. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. Yes, it was Deadspin who doesn't have any writers anymore. <laughs> Formerly national media. <laughs> Formerly national media, but I but like yeah, the true ones like like. I mean, the big boys like ESPN, really, like the Zach Lowe's and the, um, yeah, those kind of guys. You know who has, from a, I don't know I'll call this national media, yeah. given the Suns' respect, from, I would say, right around that game three, Barstool Greeny, over uh, yeah. at Barstool Sports, big fan of his, obviously, I tweet out his stuff quite frequently, his rundowns of yesterday in the NBA are always fantastic. And, I mean, he has some local ties. He went to ASU out here, but he, he's, 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 he covers the Celtics. So, as far as I'm concerned... I, his name is Greeny. Anything that, anything that uh, is Boston-related is about as diametrically opposite as you could possibly consider for Phoenix, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, it's... It, I don't know. Maybe that's just because I don't like the Patriots or anything else in Boston. Maybe. The Red Sox, I don't mind. It's mostly just Patriots. Okay, it's mostly just Tom Brady. Whole different topic. <laughs> and Bill Belichick. Whole different podcast. And Bill. Yeah, you know I wouldn't and mind. Robert Kraft. I wouldn't mind. You know, I wouldn't mind Belichick as much if he would and just Danny be like, H. be like, you know what? I cheat. I cheat, <laughs> and it works. So take that. Suck it. Then at least you admit you cheat, but you're winning. Fine. So at any rate, but Greeny always has good stuff to say about the Suns, and he's realistic about them. I mean, he said negative stuff about them previously when they weren't playing well but he was one of the first people that i saw from outside of the phoenix market to come out and say this team's legit like this is a team this is a yeah. team i mean pe- people are people are they're taking notice clearly taking notice but everybody's hedging their bets would you say that the nba should consider it a warning because i think they should they should yes they should all right so there you go i say the sun's are gonna be six and oh on that homestand you can you can you can decide whether or not you think I truly believe that or not, but let's just say this: if you don't think I truly believe it, and you think I truly believe something else, what I truly believe is very close to six and zero. How about that? <laughs> Leave it at that. Does that <laughs> not make sense? Much of a fall off. That made sense, right? Okay, Paul. What, what do you think they're going to do on the homestand? Just throw out a, a win loss record. I think they go five hundred. Three and three. Yeah. I hate you. I don't like that. I don't like that answer at all. Anyway, but I expected it. I expected, but that's that's where my yeah I know that's why pessimism comes in because I hope for more than that. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. And if my worst is five hundred, I mean, come on, that's about as optimistic as you get. Exactly. If we walked into that, if this was last year's team and we looked at those six games, where we're thinking maybe one win, maybe, 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 maybe. No, I don't know that we'd thought that many. It's a dark time. Speaking of dark times, Twitter stopped being so dark. Sun's Twitter, be happy. Enjoy. Take the advice of Adam Spinella and enjoy this team. Enjoy this team. 
And let's wrap up this episode because we're running long. Um, last thoughts? Enjoy this team. That's yeah. your last thought. And I agree with you. I agree with Adam. Let's enjoy the team. Everybody out there that listens, we, as always, appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back on a much more regular basis. Look at this. Two weeks in a row, baby. Hey. Two weeks in a row. And um, we're going to keep bringing this to you, whether you like it or not. I'm sure you all love it, though. And as always, again, thank you for listening. Depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Oh, wait. I didn't say what our Twitters are. I think everybody knows that by now, right? Yeah. We're, well, I'm actually, I'm hoping we get more new listeners. Okay, so I'm at So Says Jay Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And again, depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I said a bang. Bang, bangity bang, said a bang, bang, bangity bang. Just wanna hear you say.